This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1217. I am Rob Jan, Jan Solo today, Megan McHugh is on a well-deserved break, our co-host, and thank you to her for the year's work and play, that is Zero G. And uh, what are we going to call today's episode? Uh, well, there's only really one name, Bandersnatched. Yes, we have been Netflixing with the new interactive <laughs> episode of Black Mirror. Well, actually, it's kind of a standalone movie. Uh, all right, now... Um, I'm just looking here at our podcast title, which is for Pod Lang Syne, since we do have, indeed, New Year's Eve crashing in upon us once again. And we're in that, um, that really special time of year, that outer limits of the twilight zone that chafes between Christmas and New Year. At least I've always found it so. You can get a powder for that, I think. Or perhaps some WD-40 in Zero G's case. Now, I want to say a sad farewell to the actress Dame June Rosemary Whitfield, who has just recently passed away. Uh, English radio stage, film and television actress, born in 1925 and died on the 28th of December. She was hoofing on the stage from the age of three and went on to train as a secretary. Always good to have a fallback position as an actor or an actress. Uh, Graduated in 1944 from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. Now, she had a breakthrough in radio comedy in 1953 when she became a regular on Take It From Here, along with Frank Muir, Dennis Norden, Jimmy Edwards and Dick Bentley. And there was part of that show, a segment called The Glums, and she played Eth, uh, the fiance, fiance of the dim Ron Glum. Also on radio, she was Agatha Christie's Miss Marple uh, from 1993 to 2001. She appeared in four carry-on films across several decades from the 1950s to the 1990s and was quite a presence on television, sort of a go-to comedian where she would ably support Steptoe and Son, Hancock, and later on went on to do a television pairing with the actor Terry Scott from 1968. They become TV partners, husband and wife in Happily Ever After, and Terry and June from the mid-1970s to the late 1980s. She also appeared in Last of the Summer Wine, The Goodies, It Ain't Half Hot Mum, Minder, Midsummer Murders, A Jonathan Creek, and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in 1979. It was one of the television series. I think she was um, Mrs. Beaver in that. Uh, she was also Edina's mother in Absolutely Fabulous. And the David Tennant Doctor Who final story, The End of Time, she played a character called Minnie Hooper, I think, 
in 2010. She was also the voice of Nanny Og in Terry Pratchett's animated television series Weird Sisters in 1997. And I've um, exerted a bit of dialogue from that just so you can hear her playing one of the all-time great witches. So this also included Christopher Lee as Death, Jane Horrocks as Magra, and Annette Crosby as Granny Weatherwax. But uh, June Whitfield was playing Nanny Og, and they're doing a bit of an incantation around... Um, oh, well, it's self-explanatory. We'll get into that now. Hi. This is Michael Palin, and right now, you are lucky enough to be listening to 102.73 Triple R FM. Yeah, a little bit from Terry Pratchett's Weird Sisters there with June Whitfield, the late June Whitfield, playing Nanny Og there. Another track I'll play a little bit later on to um, also memorialise her passing. Now, just looking at uh, something else that should be coming up in the near future. As I was saying before, June Whitfield played a part in Doctor Who in David Tennant's final story, The End of Time, where she played a character called Minnie. And speaking of the Doctor... She will be appearing on Wednesday night on ABC about 7.30pm, dropping before that on iView on the same day in the New Year's Eve special. So, yes, not a Christmas special this year, but a New Year's Eve one, which I think is just a fine way of seeing in a new partition in time and space. 2019. I've also noticed that the, uh, as I was speaking to our co-host Megan McHugh, who is on much-deserved shore leave today, I was telling her that the uh, 13th Doctor Sonic Screwdriver has dropped. And this is one of those ones that's come out from 720. He picked up a copy in Minotaur a while ago. And this is the usual sort of um, battery-operated plastic toy around about the same size as say the uh, 11th doctor's um, sonic screwdriver i think yeah yeah about those sort of um, sort of area in uh, in dimension actually the earlier ones i'm actually the 10th doctor i'm thinking and um has the same sort of heft if you uh, can toss it up in the air it will rotate in one revolution and slap back into your hand quite nicely. It is, of course, hypothetically made from an alien vehicle's components, plus some uh, earth junk and Sheffield spoons melted down. It's um, a nice reference to some of the earlier Doctor's spoon-playing preferences. Uh, the 12th Doctor used it to fight a duel, a spoon did fight a duel, and uh, one of the earlier ones... Uh, Sylvester McCoy used to play the spoons. <laughs> I think even John Pertwee used some spoons once to uh, incorporate them into a, um, uh, a device that he whipped up. <laughs> this one is definitely not made from spoons, although it's quite elaborately cast to represent that. It is, of course, silver. It's got a crystal in the end of it, and it rotates slightly around the handle. That is to say, uh, almost like an actual... Um, 
uh, power screwdriver, some of those will do that too. Uh, but of course, there's no actual ability to undo or send home a screw for that matter. Uh, makes nice little wibbly wobbly noises, which I can't um, <laughs> show off to you today. Very similar to uh, all the other previous ones, except there's a, a scanning function that is quite different because I think I left it on the table at home today. Never leave home without your sonic screwdriver. Anyway, that's the uh, the 13th Doctor one. There is a, a, a slight Easter egg uh, in some of the variations of this one, a more, um, a more tricky one, but I, this one doesn't seem to have it. I will find it in due course if it does, though, track it down. Uh, by Easter egg, I mean with the sonic screwdrivers, with some they've got a hidden sound effect that you access by pressing the button two or three times. Maybe more in some cases. They cycle through them. Anyway, uh, Doctor Who coming up very soon for you. Now, I thought I'd just play um, some more tracks today, uh, Christmassy tracks, because it's zero-G, and that's quite evil to play Christmas tracks after Christmas. Although, you know, 12 Days of Christmas actually begins at Christmas, a fact that I am often given to exploit in um, parodies. (laughs) But I think we'll give you a track here from... (laughs) Shatner Claws. The Christmas album. Now, the odd thing about this new album is that it took William Shatner so long to actually do a Christmas album. I mean, that's pretty odd. You would have thought that by now he would have had several under his belt because he has actually quite a large (laughs) discography and a famous or infamous one, depending on how you look at it, starting with The Transformed Man in 1977. Uh, where he sort of, um, I don't know if he exactly patented it, but he uh, pioneered his, and all the way up to 11 that would be, his uh, special um, distinctive signature iconic (laughs) way of reading songs, giving live readings. But although, to go back and look at the Transform Man, he is contrasting um, some covers of well-known songs with readings from Shakespeare, and the whole idea was to sort of juxtapose those. Why? Only Whip Shatner knows for sure. Love to ask him, but, you know. <laughs> uh, I can remember him doing uh, Elton John's Rocket Man in, in a cover for the uh, Fifth Saturn Science Fiction Awards in 1978, and he did a few more of those other ones, including one where he collaborated with Ben Folds to do a version of Do You Know Where You're Going To on the... Uh, <laughs> on um, all sorts of things have uh, appeared since then. Um, he did uh, the Miss United States song on the 2000 film Miss Congeniality and, of course, has done a version of the Buzz Lightyear Star Command anthem in the uh, 2000 film Buzz Lightyear Star Command, The Adventure Begins. So many songs he has performed over time, sometimes self-parodying, which has been quite um, quite a little trend amongst celebrity singers, but in particular in the case of Shatner. And, of course, that 2004 album has been with Ben Folds, where he does that really great cover version of Pulp's Common People, along with um, Joe Jackson. Um, I actually like that album. There's a lot of good stuff on that one. Played it a lot on Zero G. Uh, has had many other songs individually slammed out across the, the board over the years, but 
also um, uh, the Seeking Major Tom album, another one that we've been used on uh, Zero G a lot, including his cover of uh, Space Odyssey, Pink Floyd's Learning to Fly, and Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. There's another album called Ponder the Mystery, where he works with Rick Wakeman, amongst others. And I haven't actually... Um, haven't actually heard that one. Now I'm going to chase that one down, but that came out in 2013. But to the Shatner Claws, the Christmas album. Well, he appears, amongst others, on this with Rick Wakeman, Judy Collins, and a couple of people who I don't really know, but um, you probably do, um, someone called Iggy Pop and Billy Gibbons. Zero G is staggering in its inability to comprehend some of the uh, more famous pop history characters but in this case we will just play uh one for you one for me from shatner claws the christmas album i'm terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the discworld novels so you can believe me when i say that zero g on three triple r is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 with three exclamation marks. Sonic Agenda presents Ra Ra, a feminist punk rock retrospective of Melbourne music from the Wet Ones to Wet Fest. A 12-hour event across the Spiegel Tent and the Tote on January 12th. Daytime discussions with Claire Moore, Sarah Hardiman, Sue Shaw and Karina Utomo. Plus a nighttime gig with terrible Truths, moody beaches, laser tits, and more. More info at toadhotel.com. Presented by Sonic Agenda and Creative Victoria. A Triple R community service announcement. There we had Mr. Shatner there from Shatner Claws. His definitive new Christmas album, at least. There are many people who probably hope so, but you know, actually, it's been such a long time since. Um, have seen, have heard another Shatner album. Maybe not long enough. Maybe too soon. Who knows? But uh, that I often wonder why he never has done one of these before. Really, everybody who's a celebrity singer puts out a Christmas album at some stage. Most bands succumb to the pressure eventually. Ah, uh, well, here it is now, <laughs> being broadcast into your living rooms and your. Bourgeois out there as you get caught between New Year's and Christmas Day out there in Triple R space. Now, Rob Jan here, continuing on with Zero G today. I wanted to mention an album that's just come out. It's the original soundtrack album of The Wicker Man with music and songs by Paul Giovanni performed by Magnet. <laughs> and also, this one is a Silver Screen Records. Get it through um, Planet Records here in Australia. Uh, 1973, the original album came out. It's a single disc, this one, a CD, of course, now. <coughs> um, it's um, basically Paul Giovanni's entire, pretty much entire soundtrack for... The Wicker Man. Uh, most of the cues, as far as I can tell, are in here, or at least the uh, the ones that 
look like that. Oh, no, it's got the incidental music too. So altogether, there are 16 tracks on this, including the famous Summer Is A Coming In, which is the song that they play spoilers, but then maybe not too much, as uh, poor old Edward Woodward, the virgin policeman, is burnt as a human sacrifice in the eponymous Wicker Man of the title. This is part of a ritual handed down through the ages in order to ensure the fertility of the land and livestock of the island of Summerly. Now, of course, this movie also starred Britt Eklund, Dian Calento, Ingrid Pitt and Christopher Lee. But most of all, Edward Woodward. <laughs> uh, he should have done some songs on this himself because he had a, uh, a really great singing voice and put out albums of his own, speaking of celebrity music. Uh, This album, as I said, single disc, does have some uh, fairly informative notes about the music. And Paul Giovanni, he was an American playwright, passed away in 1990. Um, Actor, director, singer and musician. And this is really his his big claim to fame, the soundtrack for this um, music. And uh, it's got, you know, incorporates folk songs, Robbie Burns' poem some new material by Giovanni, and even some lyrics as well. Um, He went on to uh, have a play called The Crucifer of Blood performed in New York, which they also did a TV um, special on too. There's a a Giovanni uh, musical called Shot Through the Heart, which um, remains unperformed at this stage. So I thought I'd play you the track on here, uh, Willow's Song. And this is the one where um, the character of Willow is trying to seduce Edward Woodward through the door, through the wall of an inn that he's been staying in on the island. So it's all very naughty. Um, In the actual film, it's not Britt Eklund mostly appearing in this scene because there's nudity, so they've got a body doubles in to play instead. I don't think she's singing it on this either. No, come to think of it, she had um, somebody else doing the uh, the song as well. So really not a whole lot to do with Britt Eklund. In fact, the, uh, the main vocals are by Leslie McKee. <laughs> so there you go, Willow's song from the classic horror movie, the Wicker Man, which, um, yes, we won't mention the uh, Nicolas Cage remake, uh, although you might want to check out its spiritual sequel, The Wicker Tree, which came out in 2011. And again, it actually was directed by Robin Hardy, that one with Christopher Lee as in a cameo appearance for that. This is Peter Woodward. I play the Technomage Galen in Babylon 5 and Crusade. And you are listening to Zero G. Who do you serve? And who do you trust? Hmm, Leslie Mackey doing the vocals there for Willow's song from the soundtrack of The Wicker Man. Edward Woodward getting a bit hot under the collar there. His inevitable destiny in that 1970s horror film. That's the new soundtrack album. It's just come out from Silver Screen, Planet Records. Paul Giovanni is the composer there. Now, the episode title today was Bandersnatched. And there is what passes for zero G on a reason for that. 
because we have been watching the new Netflix movie, which has just dropped. Charlie Brooker's latest razor-edged science fiction Black Mirror entry. It's interactive, a choose-your-own-adventure movie, which has just dropped, heralding the fifth season of the series, Black Mirror. Now, if you try and watch this on a, uh, a platform that's not supported for the interactive feature, you'll just get a little trailer of um, other Black Mirror episodes. I'll tell you that you've got to go and find something it will work on. Uh, it works on um, iPads, uh, Macs, probably iPhones. Although I don't know anyone who's actually watched it on that because it does require a little bit of space to, uh, to see what's going on. This interactive television, which of course is the sort of thing that Black Mirror should be tackling and has tackled before in various forms over its previous four seasons of holding up a mirror to the Black Mirror of our 21st century technology. Pure science fiction in some of its most finest uh, detail really when you look at it it's all a lot of it's just ripped from today's headlines I'm sure that they'll have had a whole lot of uh, new ventures to have a look into in the new season but for now with this almost like a Christmas special which is kind of evil but then that is Black Mirror it uh, it's not the same as just being able to turn your television on and access a television guide program your recorder or uh, stream different um, episodes of shows on Stan or Netflix or any of the other streaming platforms. Although it is, because that's how it actually must be working within it. Um, Kind of when you get to a decision point within the story and you pick pick, uh, A or B, you're actually kind of clicking onto a new episode of the show. At least that's how I think it works. It's not like um, Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future back in 1987 when they had that um, interactive uh, fire, the uh, the gun that you had at certain sections, the battle sections of the, uh, the science fiction series. That was um, a little bit different. So here we are in the 21st century and we can actually do this. <laughs> so quite amazing. Now, The title of the show is Bandersnatch, and of course that's from Lewis Carroll's 1872 novel Through the Looking Glass, and also his 1874 poem The Hunting of the Snark, so kind of a sequelised beastie. It's um, written by, well actually the Bandersnatch uh, idea does actually reference uh, the several moments within this movie... And also the Bandersnatched video game from Imagine Software, which they were trying to put out in 1984. Uh, And that is actually when this Bandersnatched tele-movie is set. Not very subtle allusion to George Orwell's novel, but there you go. Still, it all kind of works date-wise. That video game... was widely publicised back then, but the company went bankrupt before they could actually release it. It's had some flow-on effects to other games since. So what they're actually doing is referencing that 
as well as the usual um, Black Mirror kind of uh, episodes itself. So you, when you're watching this, you will find many Easter eggs in it. There's a, uh, a poster, for example, for a game called Metal Head. Metal Head being a, uh, an episode also directed by uh, the Bandersnatch director. That's the one where they had those um, uh, killer robot sentry bots. Remember that one? Really creepy little dog-like things. This particular story revolves around Fionn Whitehead, who plays a character called Stephen Butler, a young man who we know from Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. In this story, he's a independent, an independent uh, video game developer who's got this idea of creating this thing called Bandersnatch, and it is more interactive in the 1980s than anything previous and uh, designed to be played on those old video game platforms. Very sort of early embryonic stuff here. They're talking about Commodore 64s quite a bit. He wants to develop this at home but knows he needs some financial backing to really put it out there and goes off to Tuckerman Games to have a meeting with the boss there and see if he can ask him to... uh, front up some cash. It also stars uh, Will Poulter playing Colin Rittman. Uh, We know that actor from the Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader in 2010 where he played Eustace. He's also been in The Maze Runner and The Revenant. Anyway, Colin is a hotshot rock star game developer who will interact with Fionn as the interactive story that is the game within the game plays through. We also saw uh, Craig Parkinson in this one, who was one of the uh, Misfits characters. Not one of the superhero ones, but one of the ill-fated probationary officers in that one. I think he was done to death in that one in a rather unfortunate way. Alice Lowe plays Dr. Haynes, Colin's therapist. We've seen her before as uh, Liz Asher in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Uh, she's also appeared in Sherlock, The IT Crowd, The Mighty Boosh, and has played David Bowie in Snuffbox in 2006. A really fine cast that do actually interact quite well and strike sparks off each other at various stages, not the least of which is because it is an interactive story. Okay, so that's the setup for it, and basically what happens as you go through it, you reach decision points and you'll be presented options which you can click on uh, to either say yes or no, accept or refuse and so on. Now, if you don't click on them, there is a time limit and uh, if you don't click upon them, it just defaults to whatever it's um, deciding to do next. So, you know, not making a choice is actually making a choice. Now, the thing about that is that um, I'm wondering, is Netflix recording this information? I mean, all this sort of stuff will show up somewhere. So can they actually, like, get big data from this? which is very Black Mirror anyway. So there's like this sort of wheels within wheels sort of thing going on here. You just tap it to select, by the way. It's uh, not particularly complex. 
um, <laughs> at one stage my mouse jammed <laughs> and, and it, uh, it was a technological glitch that just wouldn't let me click on anything. So <laughs> I just had to go with what it was. And I don't know if that put me onto a whole different path. Um, after you run through the whole thing, you are tempted to go back and try it again. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. And some wrong choices will bounce you back to earlier phases. So it is a little bit uh, video gaming like that. Uh, it is set in 1984, so there's a whole lot of uh, messing around with with iconic things from that time, Sony Walkmans, uh, the new microwave ovens, that kind of thing. Some of the um, the choices seem really innocuous, like, and here's one, it's not really a spoiler, where you, where you get to choose what you have for breakfast, whether it's one brand of breakfast cereal or another. And I actually didn't go back to see if that made a, had any difference to the, uh, to the game. I keep thinking of it as a game because it is a game within a game, but it is really a movie uh, with a, um, a moderately directed pathway. So there are things that you could do that will influence things that will give you this whole branching tree along one side of one path and another for the other. Uh, and I think I managed to jump from one to the other a couple of times. But the main endings, there seems to be about five main endings, some of them which don't actually feel like endings. Uh, look, it's Black Mirror. You know it's not going to end well. <laughs> there are some terrible consequences to some of your choices. And, and here's where it gets into your head. Um, you get tempted, even as, as a reviewer, um, just to try, to try it just for the sake of things. So maybe don't interpret this as a measure of your own moral character or maybe you can do that well, if you choose something particularly gruesome the character looks at you and says oh god really <laughs> so i thought that was kind of cool one of the endings even leads you back to um an earlier black mirror story the very first one nosedive so it pushes you back into the netflix stream to go through the whole series the whole series again <laughs> so it's about control and identity and just who is controlling who. When we compulsively play through this after we've done it once, just to explore the sandbox a bit. And also about free will. There's a lot about that one in here. And obviously that is a link into the Easter eggs. I almost bought some of the music that they select in this at one stage, uh, Phaedra's um, Tangerine Dream. Uh, <laughs> I thought, I think we've got that album sitting there. In fact, we have. But um, couldn't quite find it in time to bring it in today. So Bandersnatch, will you enjoy it? Um, the first time through, obviously, like most of these interactive choose-your-own-adventure things, yeah, maybe even the second time. But it doesn't have a fast-forward, so you have to sit through the whole um, segment again, like, um, like the... Uh, well, you know, even in a, in, a, in a video game where you've got to the cut game, to the um, the, the, uh, the movie scenes in that, you can, you can often just bypass those. But in this case, you can't. So you've got to do it all through again. I actually think it's a very cool idea and it trusts Black Mirror to sort of run into this in the 21st century. Um, I guess if they did this in virtual reality, it would also work as well. So maybe we'll um, perhaps see that at some stage. Maybe they'll convert it into that. Um, I thought it was a, a very clever idea and an idea whose time has come. 
you can still buy choose your own adventure books too they still they're still published today i think um george ivanoff does a, a series of those uh, who we've interviewed on zero g before a local author and you know there's um i've read all sorts of those things along the time even even once a david drake um, set in the world of uh, Hammer's Slammers, his space mercenaries, a choose-your-own-adventure. There you go. It is also possible to play these as a, um, uh, a video game. I've actually got uh, an interactive um, next-generation video game about the Klingons that has a, um, a video that cues off a VHS videotape. So, you know, this is not entirely a new idea, but with the technology of today, it is um, quite different. All right. Now, you'll also have noticed if you've been watching Netflix that uh, a new, at least one new episode of The Good Place has dropped. It's called Janet's, and it deals with uh, our motley crew of hell adventurers going back to Janet's void, the limbo that um, Janet, the AI assistant, maintains. And that's a real tour de force of acting for the actress who plays Janet, uh, amongst other things. So if you haven't seen that yet and you didn't know that it had dropped, check that one out, Janet's. All right, now um, we're going to play another track here and it shall be the David Bowie track for today. And I'm thinking of uh, New Year's Day coming up. I'm going to play the eponymous track from his Next Day album, which, of course, the Next Day, our David Bowie track for this week as we come up to the anniversary of his birthday and death. Hi, this is Richard E. Grant, and you're listening to Triple R. Cheers and chin chin. Here we are, Mr. Bowie. One last time for the year with the next day from the album of the same name. Now, going to uh, go out with the track that I mentioned earlier on today, which is Confession Time. It's read by June Whitfield and it's um, actually a story. Scary Short Stories is the album. And it's just a little sort of thing that she's uh, reading out about um, a woman who is um, bothering the police force for various reasons, which will become plain as you listen to it. It's not a very complex piece. It's a little bit of a dark ending, which is perfect for Zero G. And I just wanted to play it because um, she had such a, a big impact upon British radio and Australian radio too. A lot of the shows that she appeared in on radio take it from here and so on, uh, ended up down under on our airwaves. So her voice would have been a familiar one to those of you who like to listen to those shows, as well as, of course, as appearing in uh, Doctor Who herself and the place where a lot of people knew her most in her latter half of her career, playing uh, Adina's mother in Absolutely Fabulous. Right, June Whitfield. Coming up next is... uh, Holly Alexander filling in for Joe Brunatic on Astral Glamour. All right. Have a great and safe new year. Ignore the fireworks. It's just my minions getting carried away, burning off all of the scrap 
superseded ordinance from the previous year. Phases on stun. And thank you very much to Gail Adams, our podcaster, Kayla Larson, and also to our co-host, Megan McHugh. That's it for Zero G for 2018. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.